the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. Our text today, again, is in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and today we're going to look at verses 12 through 16, and last week we looked at verses 2 through 11, but as I told you last week, we're going to kind of back it up and take another run at it in order to give it uh, context and continuity of thought. As I said last week, this is a bit of a controversial text because of the fact that we live in a counterculture. We live in something that in our culture is contrary to the truth of this text. Particularly if you interpret this text in light of your flesh and what your flesh has to do. If you interpret this text that way, then this whole thing will be offensive to you. Because in this culture, it's every man, woman, and now even child for him or herself. We live according to our flesh in this culture. Independence and rebellion are the name of the game. Individuality and individual expression are the way we live. Freedom is being able to do, to act, and in their minds to be whatever they choose to be. But from God's point of view, there are only two beings on this planet. Not even male and female. Those are roles. There are two beings on this planet. That is the worldling, the sons of Adam and daughters of Adam, or the sons of Christ, the sons of God and the daughters of Christ. That's all there is. You are either of this world or you are of him. There's no in-between. There's no partial. Now, it's kind of like saying you're either a bird or you're a fish. I use that illustration all the time. Because for a bird to try to live like a fish is death to the bird. And for a fish to try to live like a bird is death to the fish. There's no in-between. God has only two types of individual. Now, you know this by reading the scripture, because when we get to heaven, there will be no marriage or giving in marriage. There will be the body of Christ, a singular being, that contains both the characteristics of God, both male and female. Now, what that looks like, I don't know. I haven't been there yet. I'll let you know when I get there. Just uh, text me or call me or something. All right. What Paul is writing about in this uh, section, it, first of all, he's answering question, a question or questions concerning God's order and the role of women in worship. 
And what Paul is writing about is the issue of God-ordained role and function in the light of cultural standards. I will remind you that these believers were living in one of the most wicked cities in the then-known world. And like other godless societies, the roles and values of genders were grossly distorted. And the Holy Spirit, through Paul, his intention in this writing is to teach the new covenant truth of God-ordained role and function. Now, Paul is teaching them that they are no longer to define who they are by virtue of a godless culture. And that's very difficult. We have that problem today. Because in a man-centered church, I didn't say that they weren't about God. I just said they were man-centered. In a man-centered church, you will find divisions along flesh lines. Because the flesh always divides. And you will find that they literally create messages around fleshy identities. They create ministries around fleshy identities. And they divide the people up according to that person's perceived identity in the flesh. Now, I don't need to tell you I think that's wrong, because we have one identity, and it's in Christ. And the truth that I need to hear about Christ is the same truth you need to hear about Christ. I don't want to hear about how Christ works apart from how Christ isolates himself to me because I'm, I'm a, a business professional. I don't want to hear that. I want to know Christ as life, whether I'm in business or I'm unemployed. You see? When we, create, when we start dividing up according to affinities, we, we're going to become man-centered in what we teach. So Paul is teaching them that they are no longer to let a godless culture define them. Everyone here is a believer. So every one of you know where your identity is, right? It's in Christ, right? Your identity is in Christ. And here's the thing. What is the greatest value of that identity? What is your worth? If I were to ask you, what do you like best about yourself? Most of us would say, well, I think I'm compassionate. I think I'm loving. Or you know what? I think, I think that I'm a good business person or I'm a great mother. We would go down these roads because that's really how we were trained to think. But in reality, what is best about you is your identity in Christ. Who you are in Christ is of infinite value. And it is never going to change. Nothing will diminish it. That's the cool thing about what Christ did in the new creation, is he literally made us unchangeable. If Christ were to remove his spirit from us, we wouldn't become depraved. We would not exist. Yeah, we would just disappear. Because his union with us is essential to our being. So how could we say anything else was the greatest thing about us? How could I brag in anything? How could I boast in anything else? Here's the truth. Your identity is established in him, in nothing else. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that is, grafted in, joined to him by faith in him as Savior, he is a new creation. Reborn 
and renewed by the Holy Spirit. The old things, all that you used to be, your old identity, your identity in the flesh, even the tr- even your identity in your gender, the previous and moral and spiritual condition have passed away. Now I'm talking about identity. That's what I'm talking about here. Okay? Our identity is not in our gender. It's in Christ. Okay? Does everybody understand that? I'm not trying to say that we can be one or the other. I am saying that the truth of who we are is in Christ. Okay? Old things have passed away. The previous old moral and spiritual condition have passed away. Behold, listen to this. Behold, new things have come. Because spiritual awakening brings a new life. Totally new. Totally new. That means that what has been born in you does not carry any worldly baggage whatsoever. All of the scars of your flesh, of your past, all the things that have touched your life, hurt, or even helped, are no longer a part of who you are. They don't touch who you are. Now, we say we believe this, but you let us lose our job and suddenly we rethink our, uh, who we are. You let us lose our standing before men and we rethink who we are. You let tragedy come into our circumstances and we immediately rethink. And we will believe that God is somehow punishing us because of who we are. Now, how wrong is that? It's totally wrong. Do I believe that God is somehow punishing me because I am not faithful in Bible study? Do I believe that God is somehow punishing me because I am not a faithful uh, uh, witness or giver or even a submissive wife or a loving husband? Do I believe God is punishing me for those things? Well, what part of it is finished don't you understand? God is not punishing you, but let me tell you something. If the pan or the stove is hot and you lay your hand on it, don't tell God it's his fault. That's not punishment. That is the, the direct result of stubborn foolishness. Now, I paid plenty of price there. I've got an account. The reality of it is that who we are in Christ is so established in us that when, even when we fail, when we make mistakes, it doesn't change our identity. It doesn't even touch our identity. Nothing touches that. Well, you say, Pastor, why are you making such a point of that? Because it absolutely takes the sting out of our perception of all that God calls us to do. Because here's the reality. Everything that God has called you to do, you will in practice fail at. You will. You say, wow, you must be clairvoyant. No, I'm not. And no, God didn't give me a direct word about you. I know this because of my own life, and I know you guys. (laughs) The reality of it is that you will fail. I don't care how good you are, you will fail. Well, why is God allowing me to fail? Because I don't fail in my weakness. I fail in my strength. And God wants me to operate in his strength, in the truth of who I am. You know, when we operating in what I think I do well, you are in Christ because you've been reborn and made new. This is your identity, the old identity that was based in your flesh, 
is past. Understanding this allows us to embrace all that God has for us in the role that he has given us. Now, Paul is seeking to refocus the Corinthians so that they would see themselves the way God sees them. And let's begin by looking at verse 3. It's so important for you to see yourself the way God sees you. So I understand how God sees me. I'm righteous. And you flippantly go through all of that. Let me tell you something. You believe that until you fall, don't you? And then it's difficult. You believe that until you're offended. And then it's difficult. You believe that until somebody else who you thought was righteous is not acting that way. And then you want to put judgment on them. Well, you know, they are sorry. Well, what did you just name them? What did you name that child of God? Did you rename them? Did you give them a new identity? Did you change who they are? I don't think so. Be careful about that. Look at verse 3, and we're going to go to verse 3 because it outlines the principle of our text. This is the principal passage for this section, and it outlines the principle of authority and submission. So anything that you might perceive concerning this text needs to be based out of this principle. Verse 3, where it says, But I want you to understand, and what Paul's doing here is he's teaching them. And he's teaching them in a way that implies that this is something they have not yet understood. This is something they have not yet grasped. This is going to be a revelation to them. He says, I want you to understand that Christ is the head authority of every man. And the man is the head of woman and God is the head of Christ. Paul's saying, I want to teach you concerning the order that God has in place. Paul says, I'm going to start by giving you an overview of God's order. Now, this is not cultural. He's not talking about the culture he's living in. How do I know that? Well, he brings the Godhead into it. That's eternal. This is God's established order. And he says, this is how it is. It's not a question of equality. It's not a question of value. Those two things are established in Christ. But to keep us from confining the description of order to the flesh, which we like to do, he is starting with the Godhead. And he begins with Christ. Christ is the head, authority over every man. Now, the term head means ruler, authority, governor. And Christ is the head of every man, whether that man believes it or not. And I pointed that out last week. Because we tend to believe that if the majority doesn't believe it, it must not be true. But I'm telling you, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. The reality is that Christ is the head of every man. Now, he states that. Now, you've got to embrace the truth of that because he states the following things with the equal veracity. In other words, this is equally true. And he says, Christ is the head of every man, and he is the head of every man that believes, whether they believe it or not. He is the head of the church, and he's the ruler of all. Last week I read for you Matthew 28, verse 18, where Jesus came up and said to them, All authority, all power of absolute rule in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And the point I'm making here is that it's not what he established. How did he receive it? How did he receive that authority? It was given to him. 
He got that position because it was given to him. He didn't grasp equality with God, but received all things in humility and submission. He has been given authority over man, and as man receives the headship of Christ, man enters into the fullness of all that God has created man to be. Christ entered into the fullness of all that God had for him through his submission and obedience. Man enters into all the fullness that God created him to, to know and to participate in by entering through submission and obedience under the headship of Christ. That's the truth of it. Now, a few Christians, as I pointed out last week, would argue this. Because it was through obedience and submission to Christ that we became Christians. Now, here again is that part that causes problems. And man is the head of woman. Now, please understand that God is love. Again, I brought this out last week. God is love, and his purpose in all things is to reveal his love. What did we say at the beginning? What is obedience? It is revelation. It is blessing. It is us entering into what he has already completed in us. So what he is calling us to is not to create, not to shape, not to, to make, but to enter into the truth of. Obedience is not something that we make happen. Obedience is something that we enter into the truth of what God has already made happen. God's purpose is to reveal his love. The purpose of headship is to return love for love. Submission is love and trust in the God who placed us there. Christ out of his love and trust to the Father, entered into the truth of all that the Father had for him. And we, out of our love and trust in Christ as man, enter into the truth of what Christ has already given us, all the completed work of Christ. You know, I miss out. I miss out all the time of the blessings of Christ because I refuse to trust them. How about you? Because I refuse to trust his love or trust his provision or trust his goodness in my life. I somehow have this false sense that if I'm in control, I can better manage my life. I can better manage the blessings that God brings or the the difficulties that the world brings. And you know, I can't do it on my own. I need the good Lord's help. Listen, that is idolatrous heresy. It is nonsense. Apart from Christ, you can do what? Nothing. We enter into the truth of all that God has for us in submission and obedience. The way Christ entered into all the Father had for him through submission and obedience. Again, submission and authority is about a yielded heart to receive God's love. That's what it's about. God said, you want to receive the fullness of my love? Do you want to receive the revelation of who I am to you as God and Savior? Do you want to see the miraculous work of my interaction with man? Do you want to be a part of that? Well, yes, Lord, but I don't think I can do all that. Just yield, please. Just trust. Just believe. You know what? It's an act of faith to live in a world that's contrary to faith, isn't it? You know, we stand up here, Saturday after Saturday, we come up here and we worship in the face of 
technicalities and problems and issues and, and all of these things. If our sense of proper worship is defined by a well-functioning uh, PowerPoint and sound, we're in trouble. But that's it. We're in trouble. Our sense of worship is not in the professionalism or in the presentation. It's not in my ability to articulate. It's not in any of these things. Worship is not something we create. It's something we enter into. And you know what? We may enter into it from from a non-functioning sound system and from a faulty air condition and from, you know, all kinds of issues, from all kinds of things. But isn't it wonderful? Because it invites us to faith. It provokes faith in us. Please don't take this as criticism because we do the best we can with this stuff. But you know what? I'm telling you that it wouldn't act up unless God had purpose in it. And what is the purpose of that? That I stand in faith. And I stand in the truth that worship is not something that I create. Then I gather together in the spirit with the believers in Christ. And we join together corporately in faith to worship him. It doesn't matter where. Obviously, it doesn't matter where. In China, they gather in in alleys and, and in dark places at the risk of their life and their lives of their family. They don't have to do that. They can worship in the home. Why put themselves at risk that way? Because they have a greater truth within them that they want to affirm. Because they have a heart of obedience that will march forward in spite of the threat of death. By faith they will seize it and they will enter into the truth of worship. Regardless of where it might be. Wow! Submission and authority. The Father loves the Son. The Son loves the Father. Christ loves the church. The church loves Christ. The husband loves the wife. And the wife loves the husband. It's God's delivery system. It's God's conduit to allow us to receive the fullness of His love. And it can only be done by yielding. That's how we participate in it. By yielding. We talked last week and the week before about the son's submission to the father, how in John Jesus makes it clear that he didn't come here to represent himself. He came here to represent the father. He came in absolute submission and obedience to the father. He presented the glory of God to man in submission. Christ assumed his role in his obedience. And guess what? He became our salvation. Through submission, Christ was exalted and received a name that is above every name. Through submission, Christ was the conduit of God's love to man and the revelation of God's glory. Through submission of man to Christ, man receives the fullest measure of God's blessing in his role as man. And through submission to the man, the woman receives the fullest measure of blessing from God to her as a woman. You thought it was for man? We're branches. We're not vines. What he's describing is branches. And Jesus yielded himself as a branch. He's a vine, but he yielded himself as a branch. That the power and the life and the manifestation of God himself would flow through him. And what we're talking about is that God, that Jesus submitted to God and he became a branch. And God exalted him and made him the vine through which we became branches of. And man became a branch. And the woman became a branch. 
And we receive through the vine. The conduit of love comes through God's plan of submission. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 12. For as the woman originates from the man, so also man is born through the woman. And all things, whether male or female, originate from God as their creator. What is the truth of our origin? God. God. Male or female? God. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth of that word and the power that we have as life within us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for revelation that allows us to, by faith, embrace all that you have done, the completed work of Christ. Thank you, Father, that we can walk in it, that we don't have to create it. Thank you, Father, that every moment of every day was ordained by God to be of our fullest moment, our greatest revelation, because you are our fullest moment and our greatest revelation. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods, just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.